Hey, good morning. Great to see you all this morning. Uh, Grace kids can be dismissed. If you would like to go first through sixth grade, thank you so much to our Grace Kids team, our helpers that do such a fantastic job week in and week out preparing for the kids, especially this time of year. Are you in the Christmas spirit, anyone? Not yet? Does it take a little bit of time to kind of gear up for Christmas? Maybe you don't even enjoy Christmas. Thank you, dear. Well, it is the Christmas season. So we're gearing up for Christmas. I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes it's hard to get into the Christmas spirit. I think you got to be intentional to get in with the real Christmas spirit, right? About Jesus. It's about Jesus and the birth of the Savior of the world. And for those of us that have received Christ as our Savior, even more meaningful, right? That we, we have been redeemed. Uh, we have been saved forever. And we will rule, rule and reign with Him forever, as we just sang. So. But it's the birthday of Jesus that we celebrate. Did you know that the Sultan of Bruni in 1996 threw a bash for his 50th birthday party, and it's one of the most expensive and extravagant birthdays, uh, birthday parties of all time, so we hear. At the $27.2 million gala, guests were treated to a $16 million Michael Jackson concert, the world's most exquisite caviar, and the world's finest champagne. So, wouldn't you have liked to have been a guest at the Sultan's birthday party where you were the one that got the gifts, right? Or maybe you don't like any of those things. Everyone likes Michael Jackson, no? Okay. Caviar, never had it, probably never will. Champagne, you know, there's sparkling grape juice for those of you that don't like champagne. But there's something for everyone. But wouldn't it be great to go to this birthday bash where you get to be the recipient of the gifts in a sense, right? That seems to be uh, the, the norm today. Well, uh, the time of year we celebrate Jesus' birth, um, we are the ones that receive the gifts, aren't we? At Christmas, typically, we give each other gifts, yet it's Jesus' birthday. And so I just thinking about that. You know, it's the same thing every year, guys. You know how commercialized Christmas has gotten. Uh, there's evidences of that everywhere you look. Jesus has been very much marginalized from his own birthday celebration. Amen? Do we really ever really focus on Jesus? Focus on Jesus? Yeah, we throw him in, you know, and he's in there, but he's, it's really about us. And it's about everything else. It's about Christmas spirit or family or giving gifts or, you know, whatever. But the reason for the season, as we say, and as you probably have posted in your lawn, Jesus is the reason. Amen? And so I was thinking, you know, if we could just think for a moment as a church family. And by the way, it's so good to see you guys. I think it's great that we have a church family. I feel like we know each other, getting to know each other. Uh, and so we get to celebrate Christmas together on Sunday, Christmas Day. That's going to be exciting. I hope you'll come. hope you invite some friends, family, neighbors. But 
we got to gear up for that, folks. we got to get into the Christmas spirit, and I think we have to be intentional with that. So hopefully this morning and the next couple weeks, I have a couple messages that will help us focus our attention on Jesus as it should be. How might we celebrate the birth of Jesus in our own heart and life, in our church, in our families? Instead of spending all the time and the energy and the money and the effort that it takes to give everyone else that we care about in life a gift, which we do, why not think about the gifts that we could give to Jesus on his birthday? Do you think Jesus would appreciate gifts uh, when we celebrate his birthday? I think he I think he cares about that stuff. Revelation chapter 4 this morning is where we're going to be. It's a heavenly scene. As John is caught away in the spirit and God opens his eyes to what's going to happen in the future. And it's a heavenly scene showing the worship of God around the throne of God. And there are 24 elders worshiping God and they are casting the crowns off of their heads to his feet. And they cast these crowns down, and as they do that, they say something that we've heard many times and that we just sang and that we, we realize is a, a theme and will be a theme throughout eternity. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. The, the elders, along with these angelic beings, are worshiping God. Genuine worship. Genuine worship. I think it's the greatest need of every person, uh, every believer in Christ in their personal life, and I think it's the most important thing in the life of a church. Genuine, personal, and corporate worship. We talk a lot about sharing Christ with others, don't we? There's an emphasis here. We need to be out sharing Christ. Uh, we talk about um, serving Christ, like we talked about this morning too, and uh, we need to be out serving the Lord. How often do we talk about just worshiping the Lord? I think that's a prerequisite for all the other things, don't you think? And we have to be worshipers. To worship means to just ascribe worth to something or someone. The Tyndale Reference Library defines worship this way, as an expression of reverence and adoration for God. And heaven is a place of continual and untarnished worship. It's going to be wholesome and perfect worship. And all those throughout history who have ever placed their faith in God, faith in Jesus, they are children of God. They're all going to be there. We're all going to be there one day, and we're going to worship Him around the throne throughout eternity. But we realize that worship doesn't start then. It, it starts now. And so it's really uh, something that we should be thinking about now since we're going to be doing it for all eternity. Maybe we should get a little practice in, wouldn't you think? From the first sign, by the way, some of you are going to be up in heaven going, oh man, I've never raised my hand before, and it's sore, you know, so you might want to, you know, you're going to be, you're probably going to be singing loudly in heaven, right, and you, your hands are, you'll be pr- fell on, you know, prostrate on the ground, and you know, I don't know, you got, we're going to be like stiff, never done this, let's practice now, let's get our worship on, it's going to happen for eternity.
from the very first signs of the birth of Christ, the shepherds, the wise men, the angels, they worshipped him. They worshipped him. And they expressed their reverence and adoration for God, as the definition tells us, in, in singing and bowing down before Jesus and presenting him gifts that were befitting of a king. Because he deserved no less. I'd say that he still deserves no less from us today. And so here we are at this celebratory time of year. We have the opportunity to worship Jesus. The focus can be on him. And Revelation chapter 4 gives us a peek into what that worship's going to look like one day in heaven. And I think it really helps us to know what kind of worship does God receive in the future? Because I think he receives it now. I think if it blessed him then, it's going to bless him now. So we get to learn what pleases God. And I'll, here's a, a little picture rendition, artist rendition of that scene around the throne. As I read Revelation chapter 4, I want you to uh, maybe look at this or you can follow along. I'm going to read from the New American Standard. 1995 edition, for those of you that care. Revelation chapter 4, I'm going to read just 1 through 11. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and the one sitting on the throne, and he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardius in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in their white garments and golden crowns on their heads. And out of the throne came flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lampstands of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the center and around the throne, four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion, and the second creature like a calf. And the third creature had a face like that of a man. And the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And verse 9 says, And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. Father, we want to ask for your help this morning. We all just kind of maybe just bebopped into this room today. 
maybe not even thinking much about what we would do when we got here. I don't know that our hearts um, oftentimes are really on you or worship much uh, until Sunday. And even until we get here, we may not be thinking about worship, what pleases you. And so, Lord, I, I'm personally just asking you for help because I know that's true in my heart. I, I struggle at times to focus my attention on you as it should be. I may have talked more about uh, gifts that I'd like to buy or things that I'd like for Christmas or decorations or parties or kids coming in or I probably thought a, a whole lot more about everything around this time of year than you and your rightful place in your own birth, birthday celebration. Help us, God, as a church. Please, may your spirit fine-tune our hearts and minds to understand why you're worthy of worship this time of year especially. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, just three things from... Revelation chapter 4, really just focusing on verse 11 this morning, I think all of us as believers in Jesus can do to uh, make sure that we express our adoration and praise to God for Jesus on His birthday as we should. We can give Him gifts that I think, that I actually know He would receive. And so there's no guessing I wonder what Jesus would like for Christmas. Don't you have those people that you hate buying for because you have no idea what they like, right? They're always part of the family or on the list, and you're like, I have no idea what to get this person. Not so with Jesus. Here's the first thing, and he says that he will be given and that he appreciates today, and that's glory. It's glory. As John writes, worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory. This is the scene you're worthy to receive glory, God. You know what that word is? It's doxa. You probably hear that from doxology, right? It's, it's the Greek word where we get our word doxology from, and it means literally an opinion. We're going to give you our opinion of you, Lord. It's used in the New Testament in a positive sense every time to mean praise. It's expressing a favorable opinion, a judgment uh, or view of someone or something. And in this case, the 24 elders were giving praise to God the Father, the Creator on the throne. So the elders, are, are there's some debate as to who they represent, but there are 24 of them. They are to represent maybe the people of God. They say maybe 12 represent uh, heads of the nation of Israel, and the other 12 are, are mankind. We don't know, but we do know that these are people in positions of authority and leadership as they are on thrones and they have crowns. And so they represent, I believe, the people of God, and they fall down before God who sits on the throne, and they worship Him by throwing off their crowns at His feet. And they are proclaiming the worthiness of God to be worshipped and exalted. Why? You created all things. Even the very beings that are worshipping Him in that moment. And they continue to worship Him, it says, day and night. Giving Him glory, doxa, praise. They opened their mouths and began to praise God with their lips. 
And that's in addition to the worship of all the other living creatures described here that they say will never end. Unceasing worship by, by these creatures. And, and it's interesting, and again, I'm not going to go into great detail. We don't have time to try and explain what all these, these beings represent. But I, I, I did read that maybe these four uh, beings that were described here, very interesting, represent four different parts of, of creation. Like the lion being the wild beast, or then the domesticated animals, and then humans, and then flying creatures. We don't, we don't know exactly, but isn't that cool to think that all creation will worship him? I might be worshiping there with my miniature horse one day. I don't know. Hey, if the rocks can cry out and worship, don't you think all living things can worship? Imagine it, heaven filled with songs and praises of all of God's created beings, including the celestial beings, the angels, the people of God, throngs of people. And we'll all be there one day. We'll be standing in that crowd one day, worshiping. Jairus read that portion this morning. And so we'll be there with all the redeemed. Singing out. Some of you are probably going to raise your hands, you know. Maybe not. If you were a Baptist before, no. Just kidding. But we're going to be there worshiping the Creator who sits on the throne. Why? Because you are worthy. I don't think we're going to need any convincing in that moment of how worthy God is because the scene is going to be so awesome I'm not even sure how we're going to sing. But why wait? Why wait until then? I mean, that day is coming. Why wait then, until then, to, to bow down and worship God? Philippians tells us that one day in the future, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Everyone will worship Jesus as Lord one day. You realize that Jesus created the world. Colossians tells us that. All things were created through, by him and through him and for him. But it, it says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, every person will worship, whether they know Jesus or not. They'll know him then, whether they confess him today or not. But those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, we are called to bend our knee Confess with our lips that Jesus is worthy of all glory. Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 13, Through Him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that gives thanks to His name. And so giving God glory or praise from our lips is a gift. Have you thought of that? It's a, a well-pleasing sacrifice unto the Lord when you come here and you sing and you lift up your praise if it flows from a heart of faith. You know, when the angels first came on the scene, if you remember that, when they showed up in the sky, they announced the birth of Jesus, they broke the silence, 400 years of silence until this time, they broke it in the night sky with a doxology. And they said in Luke 2, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. 
Glory to God is what the angels sang. So if God was given glory when he came to earth in the form of, of a baby, a form of Jesus, and he will forever be given glory in eternity, why be silent now? Why, why would we have the silent years now when God already broke the silent years with giving God glory? So it's the glory of God was being announced. The glory of God will continue in the future. What about now? Psalm 29.2 says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory, do His name. Ascribe to the Lord the glory, do his, no, do his name. So when you think about that, what glory is God do, His name do in your life? What worth is He to you? We are, we are the redeemed people of God. We have been saved by the, the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the Savior who we are called to worship. We are a people redeemed for God's own pleasure, the Bible tells us. And our Father is in heaven listening to us to give Him glory. That's do His name. The question, I think, for us is do we give God glory then day to day? Do we ascribe to Him the glory due His name? Do we take time day to day in our day to day life just to tell God how awesome we think He is? I think when we pray each day, we should start with giving Him glory. Praise His name. A lot of times we start with, okay, Lord, I need you again, right? I'm in, I'm in trouble. I need you. God, help me. That's a lot of my prayers, you know. Uh, but do we stop and give Him praise and adoration and glory? day to day. How beautiful His majesty. How loving His character. How great His compassion for us. When we do that, I think when we, when we ascribe God the glory due His name, in settings like this, like we just got through doing, I think God loves to receive that praise. I think we need to understand that when we come in here and we worship God with our lips and with our hearts and with our our hands and our giving and whatever praise that we can lift up to Him on a Sunday morning corporate worship service, I think it's pleasing to Him. I think He loves it. But I, what I think is even more pleasing to Him is when we do that when no one else is around. Like when we leave here and we go back to our life and to our world and to our jobs and our families, our day-to-day -day activity, do we give Him the glory, do His name day-to-day? Think for a moment about the, the quantity and the quality of the fruit of our lips this time of year especially. Are we using our voices to give glory to God this time of year? Are we concerned about His name being made great at Christmas? I want to share something just briefly. I didn't plan to share this, but you know, one of our, one of our church uh, buddies posted something on Facebook about... Um, when you see the Xmas sign, you ever see Xmas, right? And so some of you know who I'm talking about, but he's expressing, um, he hates to see that. I hate to see that personally. I agree with that sentiment. But he posted, hey, you know, we've taken Christ's name out of Christmas. We put an X there. My dad actually wrote a poem 
years ago about that very topic, that, that there's an X where Christ's name should be. <laughs> and then some people get on there and talk about the technicalities of, well, it means this, and, you know, trying to explain it. And we get it, you know. I mean, we're all a bunch of morons, but, you know. What, is, what does Xmas say to, to a lot of people, to most of the world, you know? We see it as an attempt to just remove Christ from Christmas altogether. That's, that's the message that's conveyed to me. And maybe people don't have that as their motivation for, maybe they didn't have enough space on the sign. I don't know. Whatever. But I appreciated that somebody is concerned about the name of Christ being made great. I think, that, yeah, we should lift up the name of Jesus, especially this time of year. Jesus is the reason for the season. He is lost, but he's left it to us to give glory to his name. Are we doing it? In a loving, gracious, helpful way, are we proclaiming the name of Christ this time of year? How will we express our praise to God, the fruit of our lips that gives him glory that he deserves? There's a second thing that Revelation tells us that God receives, and that's Honor, not just glory, but honor. Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor. The definition of, of honor is the word time. It's honor as an element in the assignment of status to a person. It means to honor or respect or, or the status that belongs to someone. We honor them. Where, where glory and praise are, are more verbal expressions, the word honor, time, means more than just esteem or respect. It means to pay and present what is due. In other words, giving God praise with our lips is a blessing to God, but giving Him honor is an even greater gift. And I think we see that in the wise men and the gifts that they brought to Jesus, presenting them to Jesus. They honor him with their gifts that were appropriate for a king. They brought gifts worthy of royalty because giving honor to someone who deserves honor reflects our own heart's appreciation for the individual, does it not? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold is, is a precious metal that's been used for jewelry, ornaments, currency, and idols throughout human history because of its color and shine. Frankincense is an expensive fragrance or perfume made from trees in India and Arabia. Myrrh is a specific kind of costly perfume made from rare thorn bushes in Arabia and Ethiopia that is used as an antiseptic anointing oil and embalming fluid. Some think it's strange that you brought embalming fluid to a child's birthday party. But hey, you know, it was a thing then. All these gifts were very rare, very costly gifts. And those were the gifts that the, the Magi brought to Jesus. And many scholars believe that gold was for his royalty, frankincense for his deity, and myrrh for his humanity thinking about him giving his life. One writer said these gifts were diplomatic representations of each of the Magi's cultures. Based on where they were each from, they honored the king in a way that fit their nationality. 
And in a similar way, because these gifts were expensive, they demonstrated a level of sacrificial love and worship they had for the newborn king. But you know, these gifts were chosen because these magi understood who Jesus was. He was the prophesied coming king. That's why they came. He was the one that was going to bring peace on earth and goodwill to men. This was the, the God-man, the promised Messiah of the Scriptures who would lay down His life for the sins of the world. If Jesus sent you an invitation to His birthday celebration, what would you bring? What would you bring? We uh, had a, a gift exchange the other night, our worship team, Jairus, did a great job hosting that. You do that every year. So there were, there were some interesting gifts given and exchanged. There may have been some fish slippers. <laughs> Extravagant gifts, really, right? There are some other uh, interesting gifts, right? I think I, there was a toilet brush, you know, some toothpaste, you ever been to a white elephant gift exchange? They're funny. It's a funny time. It's a good time. But the gifts, obviously, uh, you know, they're not like thought, real thoughtful gifts. Well, maybe some are. But, right? But you bring things because you're not thinking about, let's get something really valuable that's, you know, uh, worthy of the person that may get this. Unless you got a gift thinking of, anyway, somebody. They were a joke, right? The gifts were a joke, for the most part. God says that we can give Him honor as a gift. And if we honor God as a gift of praise to Him, do we take it seriously? Is it a white elephant gift to God? Like, it's not really thought deeply about. If we want to give honor, follow me on this because I think this is important. We've got to really drill down and think about this. Sometimes we just get up here and talk and just words go flying out and I'm not sure that we grab it and say, wow, what does this really look like? But if you think about, I want to give, I want to honor God this time of year at Christmas and the way that I honor God is with gifting Him something that's worthy and he says, you know, and I don't, I don't have a lot of money. You know, we're not, God's not looking for expensive gifts. What God's looking for is a gift that represents our love and appreciation, our honor for him. Maybe it would be money for some. I don't know. But for most of us, it's not money, but it's just it's honoring God, mainly in our worship or in our wealth. It, it, it could be anything. It could be sacrificing our time. It could be sacrificing our talent, our treasures. You've heard that before. I don't know that it matters what it is. What matters is, is the, the attitude and the spirit in which it's given, right? And that God's looking for that. Honor me. Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. 
And one commentator says that that verse represents the law's requirements that one should honor the Lord with his gifts and with the first fruits of his entire harvest. First fruits. Honoring God then is expressed in the commitment of both life and possessions to the Lord's service. That's one way to view it. I mean, I don't have all of these things. Maybe I don't have a bunch of time, but I'm going to sacrifice some of my time because I honor you, God. I know you're worthy of this. I don't have a lot of money, but what I am going to honor you with is the first fruits of the money that I do have. It's, it's, it's expressing honor. You respect God enough, His sovereignty, His power, His control, that you say, Lord, I know how great you are. Here's what I'm offering you. So if honoring God is best reflected in, in a commitment of our life, our possessions, how well are we honoring God this Christmas season? Finally this morning, there's a third gift that Christ would love to receive from you this Christmas. You don't even have to put your name on it. He'll know it's from you. And that's power. Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. You created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. To receive glory, honor, and power. How can a created being give power to an all-powerful God? You ever think about that one? Well, you can't. But what we can do, and I think this verse is expressing, is that we can recognize His power and worship Him because of it. And so we're giving Him power, honoring Him for His power that He possesses. You know, uh, thinking about that scene when these elders, again, sitting around these 24 thrones on, on thrones... And having golden crowns, doesn't that represent authority? I think these were people in positions of authority. But they fall off their thrones, get on their face, throw down their crowns. And they say, you are the one that receives power. I have no authority apart from you. Isn't that what they're saying? I relinquish any power that, that I think I may have. You are the all-powerful one. The actual Greek word for power here is dunamis. We get the word dynamite from this word. But it means power, strength, or active power. It means the might, energy, and the force, and the strength that's within God. He is the self-sustaining all powerful God. Isn't that awesome? Nothing that He cannot do. God is worthy to be given praise and glory because it's by His power that all things were created. It's by His power that all things continue to exist today. John says that all things exist because of your will. That's the way he wrote it out here. It was God's will to create the world in the first place. It was His will, His desire to create us. 
to, to give us life to our mortal bodies. That was God's will. It was by his power that he did that. It was God's will uh, for, for the world that he, that he bring all things to the, his desired end of the world. This is his deal. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. This is God's world, folks. We are the created. We tend to forget that from time to time, don't we? We love to be sovereign. We love to be master of our own life. But we are alive and breathing today only by God's power. We're not making ourselves breathe. We will live forever in eternity because of the power of God. One day when our time on earth is done, whether, whether we pass away or whether Jesus returns, our bodies are going to be resurrected by the power of God. That's what God has told us all throughout the Scriptures. Paul summarizes, I think, life on earth in God in Acts 17, 28. In Him, we live and move and exist. God, this is your world. Do you understand that this morning? Things could change in an instant. Life could end in an instant. Whenever God decides, that's when it's going to happen. 1 Corinthians 6 tells us now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through His power. It's the same Greek word for power that Paul uses in Philippians when he writes that he wants to know Christ. Remember that, Philippians 3.10? I want to know Him and the power of His resurrection. Do you want to know the power that raised Christ from the dead in your life? You want to experience that? Because it's available to us. Have you ever heard that? The same power that raised Jesus from the grave is available to you and me. But it's God's power. He empowers us to live the life that He's called us to. He empowers us to, to praise and to worship Him. He empowers, empowers us to overcome sin in our life, to find victory, to have hope. Because we are a weak and powerless people. Can I repeat that? We are a weak and powerless people. We cannot tie our own shoes apart from the help from the Lord. And I mean that in a real sense. When you think about God's my creator, he wired me, he sustains me, he gives me life and breath, he gives me strength. You see that all through the scriptures, it's God. We learned that a couple weeks ago that with the Israelites going in the promised land when he said, be careful, you're going to forget that it's not by your power, your might, but it's by God and his power and his word that you've come to where you are. We have to have that attitude. Because he is in control. We don't even breathe 
by our own power. And I really think the greatest gift that we can give this time of year is that we can focus our, our hearts and our minds back on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and whose birthday we celebrate. I think, I think about that. I want, I want all of us to think about that. If you give one gift to the Lord this year, intentionally, I'd say take, take some time to get away to a quiet place and just you and the Lord and just offer up your prayer of thanksgiving and gratitude and just say, God... I understand that apart from you, I am nothing. I can do nothing. You are the majestic one. You are the all-sovereign, all-powerful God of the universe. Apart from you, I'm nothing, Lord. I need you. Every hour I need you. When God looks at a, at a, at a person that comes before him with, with a a broken and contrite spirit, I think the Psalms tells us. I think that that's a, a, a gift that just ascends into the nostrils of God like a sweet-smelling savor. God loves it. Are you going to give the Lord anything this year? Um, I want us to think about that when we, when we come to present our offerings or uh, whether it's coming here and singing, whether it's throwing in an offering on the way out, we don't we don't look at what anyone's giving because it's not it's not our business. I mean, I know everyone's giving amounts. No, I'm kidding. I don't. That's between that's between us and the Lord, right? Our singing, our service, how often we're involved, or you know, we got that's between us and the Lord. And so I think as we stop and we consider the gifts that we give the Lord, the sacrifice of our time or our praise or our, our, our uh, finances, resources, whatever it may be, are we thinking about it? Are we coming before the Lord with this attitude of praise and worship that says, you, Lord, are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things. And apart from you, not even here, not even breathing apart from your, your will. And one day we're going to enter into that throne room. It's coming. So we need to get to practicing, don't you think? To give him the praise and the honor and the glory he, he is due. We owe it to him. Can we do it this morning? Father, thank you for this time in your word and this uh, glimpse into the heavenly scene, it's, it's uh, mind-blowing. There's a lot here, but Lord, if we can just pull from this text this morning the kind of worship and praise that is pleasing to you. Your word tells us that uh, offerings and sacrifices you do not desire but a broken and contrite spirit you love. So I pray, Lord, for us this morning as 
recipients of your grace, redeemed people who will one day enter into the throne room, the majestic heavenly throne room filled with amazing things that we will give you praise, glory, and honor then. Help us, Lord, to now bow our knee to Jesus. Honor you with our lips, with our life, in a way that's befitting of a king. We ask you, Lord, to help us in that. We pray, dear Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.